Hello, wonderful humans. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I revisit the topic of social media. We talk about the importance of using social media intentionally instead of unconsciously. We talk about the limiting nature of written words when it comes to human-to-human communication. We go over what we consider to be healthy use of social media from our experience. And we finish by talking about our personal philosophies of how we use social media to share our experience. Really enjoyed the conversation with Mike. I think it's very timely considering what's going on in the world right now and how social media might be affecting the situations negatively or positively. And I hope you find this information applicable and helpful in your own life. This episode of the show is brought to you by TFC's global health community called Beam Tribe. The pursuit of health is a team sport and our mission with Beam Tribe was to create a platform that connects like-minded humans from around the world who value making daily progress on their health journey. The platform is loaded with videos created by our Beam team Uh, where we share our experience when it comes to things like overcoming injuries, creating a daily meditation practice, um, and things like how to resolve back pain or how to restore an arch if you have flat feet. The content is stuff that we plan to continually add to, and the goal is to empower and inspire people to make changes by better understanding what's going on. If you head to beamtribe.com, you'll be able to see samples of the videos that we've posted, and if you want full access, you can join the community. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. If you're into coffee, this company has a great subscription service where they deliver fresh beans to your door each month. And they also give you the story behind the craft roasters that the beans come from. If you head to theroasterspack.com, use the code FOOT at checkout, you'll get seven bucks off your first month. Last but not least, this episode is sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear uh, and equipment to and from seminars or movement sessions. They make super high quality hard cases in Canada that can keep your stuff safe during travel. And you can check out their stuff at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. Let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. Hello, wonderful humans. Nick and Mike here back for another episode of Shop Talk. And today we're going to talk about the weird, wonderful, confusing, and sometimes hectic world of social media. Uh, we covered social media on episode 30, but we figured it was time for another conversation on the topic, especially in light of recent events and also just in general, our improved understanding uh, about social media as we continue learning ourselves. A lot of craziness out there right now. <laughs> you know, 20, I feel like 2020 has been and continues to be, you know, a really major growth year for humans on this planet. Uh, if you, I always think that you find what you're looking for. If you look at it and you're looking for the bad stuff, you're going to find a shitload of it. Uh, But if you're looking at it and looking for the good stuff, you're also going to find a shitload of it. So, you know, it seems like social media is playing like a a bigger and bigger part in the lives of humans now. And, you know, whether it's related to coronavirus or the fight against racial discrimination, uh, I think we need to air out some of the concepts because if you don't understand social media or how to use it in a healthy way, uh, it can cause you a lot of mental and physical suffering. Yeah. So, which I'm sure we both experienced at times. And I I think in the conversations that we have, we both have a better grasp on it now, but this is still a really new technology. Like, even though it's been around for a little bit, it's like it hacks our brains magically. And if, and, you know, understanding is the key to being able to defend yourself from the negative effects. Um, So today, I mean, we're going to chat today about the major platforms, uh, you know, the big three, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, I don't. I only use Instagram for the most part, although that's directly linked to Facebook now. So let's start by just defining social media, which we define social media or the definition that I found 
which I kind of like to internalize is websites and applications that allow people to create and share content and participate in social networking. So I think that's a pretty good one. It allows you to digitally interact with other people and put out content. What do you think about that definition? Yeah. And so people thinking, um, like you say, the, the big three are, are the main ones right now, but I guess like any other uh, platforms you could consider social media that, that do those things. Right. Um, Cause even yeah. email and texting on a phone is technically social media. Yeah. But it's, it's not really it doesn't the have same the content part of it, which I think is, is big. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's and also kind of, no one's engineering text messages to be addictive as shit. Yeah. Which so cannot whole, be said about the others. I think the platform aspect of it is, is key. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think if we look at it as like its own world and it in and of itself is separate from the, another form of the world, which would be like, I would consider like the natural world or what, and you could consider like, I had this thought is like, reality is not social media but you could say that like it's turned into something that is actually it is its form of reality mm-hmm. it's the social media reality but then outside is natural reality and i think that if we look at like the natural world it's stood the test of time that's like <laughs> the og reality yeah. that it's like nature is nature it's always been that way um so i think we we don't necessarily need to say like uh, social media is not reality. It's like this own digital thing. It is a form of reality, but it's just this its own thing that's super, super new. And, and we haven't really had a chance to really get used to it. Um, and what I like to think of is that we need to be aware that there exists a reality that's existed for uh, millions and millions of years that billions of years, uh, according to evolution, that that is uh, it's it's good to to spend a bit of time in in both. If mm-hmm. you are spending time in social media, look at just like the sheer amount of time you're spending in each right. and the sheer amount of like, um, I guess energy you, you put into each or, or, or energy you, that you get from each. Right. Um, and, and that would be a good way of looking at it. And, and I always like some days you'll be in a flurry of like, you'll look, you'd be looking at comments from like posts of, of other people that like you can go so deep and then, and it's like this creates this whole situation where you're, you're anxious, you're, you're like living in the digital world in this social media world but then you walk outside and it's like super calm and there's like birds chirping and right. you go down to the, the water and it's like, whoa, it's really, really calm here. Yeah. And, and you're like, wait, is this the world or is that the world? And then, yeah. So because your brain doesn't actually do a very good job at distinguishing uh, between those two worlds, right? Like yeah. they are the reality at that point in time and you mentally and physically get absorbed into whatever reality you're engaging with. But I think it's important to know that, our biology, our neurochemistry of how our brains work, of how our bodies function is tailored to natural reality. It is not yeah. It is not to say that Instagram is bad, but if you're spending too much time there, you can very easily, like it's a very slippery space sometimes, depending on how intentionally you're using it. And we'll talk about what that means, but um, you're right. I think it's just being self-aware of how much time, there are two different realities. They are linked, but they are independent spaces. And you need to be aware of how much time you're spending in each of them. And if there's and an being Im- affected by each too, and being affected by each, right? Like how, how does this reality affect my body and mind? How does this one? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's really comes down to how you use it. But I think being self-aware of that and knowing that they're different things that are interlinked, but they are distinct is very yeah. important. Uh, I just want to mention the quick story of that. I can't recall his name. I'll, I'll have to 
but if you look up uh, the newest Rebel Wisdom um, podcast, there's this guy who has been interviewed by the New York Times now and a bunch of news mediums because he entered a 75-day retreat, uh, silent retreat in Vermont, and uh, he entered it right before the coronavirus over. <laughs> so that when he came out of 75 days, which is, what is that, like two and a half months, essentially, Fuck, he entered the huge. world, like Oops. essentially a different world, right? right. Um, now, he he had to do a lot of catch up in like what has happened and like what people's <laughs> no thoughts shit. were. That's definitely on, the worst time to go that. into. <laughs> but his reality during that time was completely different than other people's reality. Yeah. And it was amazing. He said it was the best experience of his life. Um, I mean, 75 days is a huge amount of time, but he, he explained his days. He would uh, go for walks in nature. He would meditate for multiple periods of two hours throughout the day. You'd eat. Um, he had a lot of time to think, but he said it, he came out the, that the most peaceful. And then, mm. Okay, so then, like, compare that to this reality, and it made him think, like, whoa. And then he he entered the social media world, and this guy actually has a podcast, and he was he's very attuned with the social media world before that, so he 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 kind of caught up. But he's like, made me realize that everything is of all of this is constructed, and because he was experiencing like the hundred percent dose of what the natural world was, and then right. he then he immediately experienced a shift to. 100% dose of the constructed world via social media and all of that. So he's like, okay, it's really hard to, you know, and I, and I'm, I don't think that it's, it's not, it's not that you should maybe, I think finding a balance between the two yeah, is key. That's the key. Right. So, and uh, yeah, it's, and I think an important thing there to, to mention is that you actually choose what your reality is. He chose to live in a different reality for that period of time. Yeah. And we all have and that anybody choice. could have done that. Exactly. Anybody could have done that. I think yeah. most people would seriously like people can't even meditate for 10 minutes a day. Yeah. So it's, you know, that's like, that's the ultra, ultra 10 X ultra marathon of meditation. Yeah. But I think, you know, you have the choice of where you direct your attention. It's really about realizing how you're doing that because I think most people do it out of habit or do it without really much conscious attention paid to where they're, what reality they're living in. But mm -hmm. it's your choice. And if you're struggling, you know, I think there's this undertone of there's a shitload of money invested in attention in the attention economy now. Yeah. So there is if you are not informed about the effects of social media and how it's created and what it can do to you, you are by default probably going to not use it well because yeah. there's a, a lot of money trying to get you behave like the behavioral addiction to social media is so shocking when you when you really understand how that manifests itself and how unnatural it is, right? When you see people zombieing across the street, eyes glued to their phones, uh, that's not normal. Like that's weird when you, when you see it from an objective view. And I think we, we look at behavioral addictions as having become so normalized that we, that we don't really look at them as problems anymore, right? Everyone's on their phone. So it's not a problem. Actually, everyone is addicted to this little, wizard that we all hold in our pockets and if you take an external view like if you come from a place 20 years ago and were plopped into reality today you'd be like whoa there's a big problem happening right now it's an example of that like super normal stimulus or super stimulus and that would be a lot of these are popping up but we see that in nature when there's an artificially exaggerated stimulus that's kind of created it can hijack our our systems more than we want to create, it would elicit much stronger response and also it tends to have unintended consequences or side effects. So this would be mm -hmm. like this stimulus in the form of our phone and our social media is like hijacking our social 
uh, needs to, you know, all, all of these things, these, these, the sociality of, of our species, it's hijacking all of this. And then it's creating us to be glued to it. Um, and, and then it's creating all these potentially negative side effects. And this exists in other forms like junk food. It's like when you, when you have food scientists engineering food to be, uh, a hypernormal stimulus, it's going to cause you to almost not be able to put it down at times right. if you go down that road. And it exists in many other forms too, even in like you know porn and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but there's all these hypernormal stimulus uh, and uh, that, can, that can cause this uh, hijacking. And that, like you're right, the attention part of it, um, the attention is key because attention is that it's essentially like a, a muscle that can and needs to be trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the thing with social media is I think that it's actively being detrained out of us. Right. So based on what the companies want out of it, um, but also based on the incentive structure of social media in that a post that is more attention grabbing mm-hmm. um, gets rewarded and gets pushed forward and into more people's eyes. So built into the system is that the more attention grabbing uh, and limbic hijacking a post is the more it's going to get pushed uh, forward and then the less attention grabbing is going to get drowned out. So it's a competition to see who can jack each other's attention quicker and more. Um, so that like the actual, it's not just the people who designed it, but it's actually like built into the system. Right. If you use it. The game theory is such that it facilitates distraction. Yeah. Whether yeah. by, you know, by design or just by how it ended up being used. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's like, you're kind of, like you said, attention, the attention, m- your mind's ability to attend and focus on one thing is kind of like a muscle. It is very much, it, it basically is. Yeah. Um, you know, the brain is an organ, but it acts like a muscle and you can either be training at any given moment in time, really you're either training focus or you're training distraction. Like you're pretty much, there's a continuum there, but you know, I think a lot of people are unintentionally spending a lot of time consistently training distraction. And then they wonder why they've lost the ability to focus. Because the more time you're spending, like they're mutually exclusive. Distraction and focus are different. The more you train one, the less ability you have in the other. And I think that is really well reflected in the fact that we can't even take five minutes to be with our own thoughts and not have any, like people struggle with meditation. I struggle. I have a pretty good understanding, probably more so than the average person about behavior design and installing habits. And I struggled a shitload to install a daily meditation habit, which only happened probably like within the last probably six months ago. That's no, even less probably the end of last year. And before that there was multiple attempts, multiple times starting over um, a big learning curve of like what actually is meditation. Cause my preconceived notion of what it was is not actually what I now understand it to be. Mm-hmm. And for beam Tribe, we're going to do a series of five minute videos, just explaining it because it's actually way simpler and way easier than what people crock it up to be. But, but I think it's a good illustration that we have really a lot of trouble focusing and it's because we spend so much time in a place like the virtual reality of Instagram land that thrives and promotes distraction. Yeah. And it's all the apps problem. on your phone, like you could just be, there's a lot of people that bounce between apps and they just, right. you know, bounce, bounce, bounce. And then they'll put it down for uh, a few minutes. And then there's this sense of like, I need to get back to it. And then uh, right. it's a weird, it's a weird thing where we're, we're always just looking to, uh, you almost start to feel uneasy when there isn't that, that hypernormal stimulus coming in. So it's like, they call it boredom. not right. Yeah. Yeah, Boredom only happens if you're not paying attention. Yeah, (laughs) really. Exactly. 
So that creates like, I think that gets into the whole like anxiety and emotional regulation part of it too. And um, a lot of times, not only is it something that's very addictive, but the emotional valence of it is very, very high. Um, and a lot of these, like, especially in times, um, not that we want to get too deep into like specifics, but just uh, polarizing topics and, and like mm-hmm. these, you know, uh, culture wars and all of the, everything that goes on uh, on social media creates this whole uh, yeah it's, it's really a, an emotionally charged space uh, and you can kind of see that and maybe we'll get into text after because like it's you can even see it and perceive it in text but it's so the whole disconnect between text and like emotions in front of a person is is like anyways we'll, we'll get into that because if somebody comes at you with like crazy charged emotions in person there's often, and you're at a completely different level than them. There's often like a, like, whoa, something's got to give, like either I got to go up to your level or you got to come down. Let's meet right. somewhere so we can have a, like an actual conversation because right. if we just yell at each other, like what's going to happen? We're going to get a fist fight or like what's going to happen? Yeah. The interaction um, in person facilitates a leveling of energy. See the energy and be yeah. like, whoa, that's crazy energy. Bring it down. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we don't see that in it. And it's often just energy thrown at energy in the form of text, which is weird. Um, but it, I guess that, what I'm saying is it facilitates this whole, like, I think the connection between physical health and mental health, uh, in terms of like anxiety, depression, and all of that, um, is, is huge. We've talked about on the last one, like mental health, but even like your physical health, it's like, if your stress response is being fired up and fired, uh, multiple times a day, because you're checking on this comment thread that you're participating in, in over the course of eight hours, (laughs) it's always on your mind you're literally in an eight hour stress response and that's not good for your heart, your blood pressure. It's not good for every system in your body to be in a continuous stress response like that. Your physical health starts to deteriorate just as much as your mental health. Right. It's crazy. They so, play off each other. Yeah. They are interlinked. Like it's I don't think, I really don't think there's a separation. There's a no. conceptual separation where you can um, create the concept of the physical body and the, me- and the mental mm-hmm. body. But uh, in reality, you know, like if you have an argument on social media, your brain doesn't acknowledge that as any different than having an argument in person and your physical response reflects that. Yeah. So it's the same thing. If you're arguing all day, it doesn't matter that it's an Instagram land. It's basically the equivalent of being in a high threat, high energy fight in yeah. person all day. It, you're going to get destroyed. That. Think of the time scale of that. Like how often are you in like an all day long argument with somebody or groups of people? <laughs> You, you're often, you could be in a fairly heated argument with somebody, but it might only last a few minutes. It might last half an hour. Mm-hmm. And then you would like generally exit the situation and be like, wow, that was intense. Or you might still be fired up for the rest of the day, but and you'll probably resolve you it in a continuous. And sometimes these comment threads and arguments keep going through days and even right. through like right. potentially weeks on same comment threads and people are, and then think of that. It's like, you're waiting. So you respond and some people will then wait and it might take an hour or two hours before the person. And all this time they're thinking about what the person's going to say or what they did say. Yeah. And then the next comment comes in and it's, it's like a continuous drawn out stress response versus like an in-person quick heated argument. If that happens for, and then calming down from there. Weird, yeah. Weird yeah. stuff. Super weird. <laughs> like We're not ready for this. Uh, but I think there's ways that you can mitigate a lot of those problematic issues. So maybe a good thing to talk about next is intentional use uh, of social media. And yeah. I think intentional means you're using it for a purpose. So knowing exactly why you use it. And then, you know, if you understand why you're using it, and you have this kind of set of values or principles of this is why I use social media. 
it makes it way easier to examine whether your behaviors align with that attention, intention, sorry, uh, and to catch yourself when they don't and also to recalibrate. Right. But I, I think very few people set this kind of guiding principle of this is why I'm using it. That's my compass to measure whether or not I'm veering away from it, because the likelihood is you're going to veer away from that. Yeah. And and like you have to understand all of the things we were talking about. You have to, I think, understanding these things are important to guide your intentional use of it, because yeah. you need to understand what can go wrong in order to direct uh, kind of you need to be aware of what can go wrong and everything involved in it so that you can then be more intentional, more aware of how you are using it and how you are being affected by it um, thereafter and not just caught up in the whole firestorm of it. Right. So, and, and, and like, that's, I think, yeah. So I think that's, that's a big thing. And like, just one other thing I want to touch on is that texting thing, because, because that is, that's another thing that plays into your intentional use of it is like, I don't even like texting like, I don't know, everyone has their own views on texting, but if some, if you're texting with like a friend all day, I rarely text. Yeah. It's just hard I because just it, it kind of goes into that same drawn out thing. And it's not even like a texting conversation can be like an eight hour thing where, where your texts come in every once in a while, even just like a random conversation. But then it's like, you could call them and get the same thing done in five minutes or less. So that's kind of a, a thing where even if you're not arguing on social media, it's just do you want to be consumed by this text all day or can you get it done efficiently? And is this draining your energy slowly all day or can you just get it, get it done? And then also the whole miscommunication thing via text. Well, okay. Like even a fundamental problem, if we're going to talk about text, let's just dig into it. Yeah. And then we'll come back to intentional use. Cause I think there's some stuff to say there still, yeah. but the problem is like, for example, I don't have any notifications on my phone. So my phone never beeps because yeah. I don't want to have to be distracted 24 seven by beeps coming in. But someone who uses their phone, has it latched to them, is on it 24-7, and it beeps every time they get a notification, oftentimes that person will think that you use it in a similar way. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. assume that if I send you, if, if I use my phone all day long, and there's it beeps every time something happens, but you don't, and you yeah. don't even have your phone on you very frequently, and when you do, it doesn't beep, you look at it when you intentionally want to look at it, when you want to put your attention there. If I send you a text, and I assume that you get the beep, but you're not answering me, I can get pissed. Be like, why, yeah. why the heck isn't Mike answering me? Little do I know, you're not even looking at it until you choose to look at your phone. So there's yeah. automatically this weird thing in that communication medium where there's a disconnect between what I'm interpreting or what I think and what is actually happening on your end. And even that is like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, of text. You know, let alone the fact that the language I use in that text, in writing down those letters, what I intended that to say, might not be anywhere close to what you interpret it to yeah. un, to mean. So the understanding and there's no intonation. There's no like I can write one sentence and I can say it ten different ways by voice and with body language. It can mean ten different things. Yes. So it's basically a lottery. It's like I'm going to write this thing to Mike, and I hope he interprets it the way I intended it to be. But the likelihood of that is very low unless you have yeah. a very deep relationship. I and think that's a fundamental problem. It's with a it. fundamental problem because it's like I also don't want to text back and forth for an hour. If I'm doing something else and and it's like, like you're saying, it's like the, the actual form of, of like texting communication is the, is the, is a big problem with all of the things going on in social media. And it's right. like, you're like, you say, you lose it, you lose everything. Like the intonation, um, the, the intent, um, the, the context, intent, the emotional, uh, part of it, yeah. you're, it's void of like, it might, we try to be better at it like making it, but everyone's just making up their own version of what emotion in <laughs> right. text means. 
whereas it, you can't really fake that in person. So I think it's like, just to like tie it together, it's like texting medium versus talking on phone, which we just compared it to versus FaceTime or seeing somebody, you can start to pick up even more. Uh, and then versus being in front of them in person, you can pick up the most by far. And you lose out on that. And even when I was doing my like virtual visits um, during the, the, the COVID uh, thing, it's like the difference even between like a Zoom call and a face-to-face call is astronomical, or, or sorry, a face-to-face interaction is astronomical. For sure. You pick up just everything, like the energy and the body language and everything about them. So anyways, uh, texting. So it's is, basically the richness of the medium that you're using is inversely related to the likelihood of misunderstanding. Yes. So the, the yeah. more rich the interaction medium with in-person being the gold standard and with, you know, as you go down, in-person is the best. Zoom, uh, like, vis- like video calling, mm-hmm. audio calling, text. Yeah. Is that the, the bare bottom? Is the worst. This and is social media comments and all that. It's all text. It's all text. So the likelihood of misunderstanding happening is literally an innate flaw with how we do things, which, you know, I don't use Instagram as a, you know, if we get back to intentional use, I use Instagram to share what I'm learning as a, as a medium and platform as like a unidirectional microphone to say, this is what I'm learning. If you enjoy seeing this stuff, I hope it helps you, but it is not a medium for discussion. So I don't really look at comments and I don't often reply to direct messages, although I try when I get a chance. And if someone misinterprets, if someone doesn't know that that's how I use social media, then they might get upset that I'm not responding to their comment. Yeah. But the reality is everyone has their own choice on how they use that platform. No one is making you follow a certain profile. If you don't like what someone's posting, then simply unfollow them. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's one of the best things you can do for your mental health is unfollow every person that's aggravating you on social media. But I think if you know your intention, I'm using social media as a tool for I'm using, you know, whether to improve my health, to improve my understanding, to share a message. That's important to know. That's almost a good, uh, it's like a comparison of, of, uh, you said like your texting habits might, um, rub somebody else the wrong way who has different texting habits and the misunderstanding is texting habits. Right, right. Exactly. So your social media use might rub somebody the wrong way. Um, based on their conception of their social media use or what your social media use should be like in their eyes, whereas you just have a misunderstanding of social media use from your mm. end versus their end. That gives me a really, that just side note, good idea. I'm going to put in my link tree my philosophy of social media use so that yeah. people can read it and understand and hopefully not get upset at, at me not answering things. That's a that's interesting. Because at a certain point, it is undo. Like at a certain point, it's undoable. Like let's say you have thousands of comments on some on a post it's, or it's not you feasible. can't like you <laughs> just, just actually can't do it like in 24 hours and in the, you, there's no possible way you can do it <laughs> right so then if you want to get anything else done um so then where does that line drawn and then like again back to the original part of the discussion is like how much time do you are you willing or able or or, or how, how much, much time energy? and energy are you willing or able to put into this versus the other natural reality which (laughs) is out there and we we know that when you spend time in the natural reality or natural world it's really good for your health right it's really good for your physical mental health generally associated with with more moving around um, breathing uh, being more calm and peaceful and everything associated with this reality out the window is healthy so how much time are you as a person willing to um 
and able to put into this uh, constructed reality of social media without actually having a mental breakdown for one. <laughs> That's and then also being able to live and actually communicate and connect with other people in natural reality too. Because I think that people are looking at these connections with people in digital reality. Be like, why are you, why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that with these people? Why aren't you commenting? You're not doing enough or you're doing too, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you don't see me out there in the world, in the actual reality, like working with actual people day to day. Right. Right. That's like That's what I'm doing better use when of I'm energy. out on here. I'm doing that. <laughs> right. you, like you, it's like, what do you think I'm doing? Do you that's think I'm also, just sitting in a room and interacting right. with people all day on this? I'm actually working with people to help them. Because that's actually how I get paid. Yeah. The, the worst I get, well, is I get like, paid there and that's how I find meaning. Like I right. work with others in the world. Like that's that's where meaning comes from. Exactly. So it's it's weird. And everyone has their own lens. That they, you know, if you have a personal social media account, you have 500 people. Yes, yeah. you can answer every comment because there's not that many comments and there's not much energy required to answer those comments. But you know, if you apply that same view, your view to someone with a much bigger account, which much more traffic with 10 X or 50 X, the amount of people, uh, it's really hard to understand how unsustainable it is from your standpoint. Cause you have no idea what that feels like or what, what it's like being that person. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of these, mis- you know, people are like check your DMS or check your comments. Why don't you answer comments? It's like, well, I prefer to spend my energy on things that matter to me. And that also allow me to deliver more value to the world. Because mm-hmm. if I'm using units of energy to reply to stupid comments or to to read, literally, I just choose not to pay as much of my attentional currency to Instagram land because it is not a, it's often a very, there's so much misdirected energy on Instagram. It, it kind of- Anger, divisiveness, separation, yeah. disconnection. I just, if all the energy that goes into Instagram through arguments or whatever was put into actually- helpful things for the person and for the world, we would have a totally different world. So much more value would be contributed to meaningful things. Um, And it's just a matter of like, this is a good medium to have these conversations, right? Like to unpack the nuances so that people can understand why we do the things we do. Well, nuance, you just, what you just said is like nuance is everything when discussing, discussing uh, especially topics that have uh, some sort of complexity to them, which a lot of the things that are argued about on social media have complexity to complexity attached to them yes. or in them. Um, the most complex topics are the ones that create the most divisiveness. The thing that is missing is the nuanced conversation about the topics that are complex. Right. So what texting back to everything else that we've talked about creates is that we can't express nuance very well via a limited amount of words, via text, via Instagram right. comments, via l- l- void of everything involved, including emotion, how we can express it is in a, in a long form conversation. And a conversation is different than debate and an argument, which again is another thing, but a conversation allows us to see where another human is coming from and get their perspective on it earnestly so that we can say, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to express yourself and I'm going to listen. And then you, I expect you to then give me a chance to express myself and I expect you to listen. And there's this earnestness that is involved in it. And then we have this meaningful communication. And at the end of it, we still might disagree or we might learn a thing or two from each other along the way. Right. And then we might come down and meet each other's energy level. Everything we've talked about that is missing and nuance is missing through all of it. And many of these topics are so nuanced that in order to 
list all of the new the nuance in the the topic we're discussing, it would take like probably a whole essay per per unit of uh, like comment. Right. Like, and then you'd have to, and then somebody would pick up one thing in that and then they would. So again, you, you miss all of that when social in social media a lot. Well, just think of if we made a transcript of this podcast, it would be pages and pages and pages of lines of text. Right. Yeah. And it would just be like, no one's going to write that on social media because it's so it's missing so much. And I, and then, and, and it's, you're right. And then if somebody picked up the transcript and saw something that we said out of context, out of context then within, and then they just attacked it, attacked it, attacked it. Right. We could say, no, wait a minute, let's also have a conversation. This is what yeah. I meant by that. And they're like, Oh, okay. That's what you meant. So then it's, again, it's so it can go off course. Cause I think a conversation is just an interaction between two humans using voice and language, which means that uh, an argument or a discussion or a debate are, I think there are conversations. They're just looked at from a different perspective. I think like, let's dive into this a little bit because sure. I wrote down a few things that, and I, I think they over, they can overlap, but I think they're also different as well. They're like subcategories kind of debate well, versus argument is like, here's some things I put down is like, are you trying to win because right. Or learn. <laughs> well, that's the thing in a debate, um, built into like a, like what the definition of a debate is like you're there is a winner and a loser so that doesn't necessarily need to happen in a conversation um right. so are you trying to win in a, in a in a conversation you're not necessarily trying to win a conversation mm-hmm. right well that's um, an artificial construct of win or lose because like the true nourishing conversations are both people win and lose and losing if well, you, that's the thing and like losing is learning basically if if you're wrong and someone proves you wrong, you now have the opportunity to learn. So it's so much of it is perspective. And what and is your intention? That's what I would consider a converse, true conversation versus right. like a classical debate mm-hmm. where there is actually like structured winner and loser and stuff like that. Right. Uh, or an art, like a, an argument too is almost like connotates a winner and a loser. Mm-hmm. And, and, but a lot of people's intentions going into it are, I'm going to win this thing. So they have their, like, do you already have your mind made up? Is that another thing going into uh, in an argument or like versus a conversation, um, are you truly listening to the other person's perspective and yeah. are you pre-categorizing are you the other person? Are you, are you putting them into pre-categorized, uh, lens and you, you're, so it's you and, and your group versus them and them the other. So are yeah. you, is it, is it a categorized thing versus again, are you, are they another human being, not another person in a group? Um, are you trying to, are you listening are you trying to win or are you just there to actually, like you say, converse and learn and see perspective, gain perspective? Right. And and you might learn like the deep roots of where somebody's perspective comes from in a true conversation. And then you might gain, like you say, a lot of insight into that person's reality is a lot different than mine. And I <laughs> yes, learned that exactly. in the conversation, which is not fine. in the text argument. Right. So that's a huge thing. Are you, and I think we're missing true conversation on a platform like social media yes. and, and that's, that's a problem. Well, true conversation doesn't happen with writing. It happens no. with like all the nutrients are required for a nourishing conversation. Exactly. And that, I think that's why podcasts are so powerful is like yeah. you can, you know, the zoom is opening my perspective to seeing that like, oh wow, you can actually get a lot when you're doing a video chat and even mm-hmm. audio like that. It's funny. It's, it's interesting to see how even a half second delay in the normal cadence of a conversation created by the delay in zoom messes with the yeah. dynamic of that conversation. Like it's something so small and that's like still mostly nourishing. Like you just yeah. imagine with just when writing as like choppy or like it, 
right? Yeah. You kind of talk over yeah, each other by accident or like I can see when I'm saying something and I'm going to pause from a certain line of thought, I can see you take a breath and your mouth start to move and I know, okay, he wants to say something. So I'm going to pause. Yeah. You don't like that's even that going away can create a decreased level of like effective communication. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I think that you, it, a lot of it boils down to ego also, it's like if you think Separation. you're right and you're unwilling to be open to a different perspective or if you're going into that conversation to prove you're right instead of trying to like authentically understand the other person's perspective, um, then that's not going to be a very productive conversation. No, you're right. It's like ego. It's this sense of uh, separateness that we have or like group ego where it's like us versus them, like I'm good, they're bad. So it it's it sparks all of these like tribal and like rivalrous dimensions to it um and that's just like i think we're seeing a lot of like group ego stuff where mm -hmm. it's like you, you're thinking the other person's you're almost dehumanizing another person because they're in a different group than you or whatever um instead of just realizing that they're the same thing as you they're yeah. they're another human um so yeah, you're right it's like it, it it actually serves in a lot of manner to increase the separation versus what we initially, what it was branded on is like to, we can be more connected and we can, but it's like, it actually often creates more separation uh, right. and less well, connection. You see, you see this right now on yeah. with racial discrimination, the topic of racism. It's like, there's very little desire to find mutual understanding, right? Like many people are looking at things that you say or that other people are saying and instantly categorizing it as Okay, if they're, they're Good, on my bad. team or they're not on my team. Yeah. And if they're not on my team, I'm going to go full force to let them know they're wrong. Yeah. And if they are on my team, I'm going to jump on their bandwagon and make sure that I'm playing a part in telling the people who aren't on our team that they're doing wrong. But no one is really finding that common ground. And once again, language and writing is the limiting, is a big limiting element there. Yeah. No one is finding the common ground to at least try and fill each other's knowledge gaps, right? Because the, the blind spot, for example, that I had when it came to racial discrimination is equally a, a part of the problem as the person who has a blind spot with understanding that I have a blind spot. Yeah. Right. They, they're perceiving, Oh, this person doesn't care versus, Oh, that person actually doesn't know. Yeah. And if instead of shit talking someone saying they don't care, you find out, well, here's what you need to do to understand. Here's where, yeah. here's where you can go to know what you don't yeah. know. Instead of attacking them and trying to destroy them, right. we say, oh, okay, maybe I can help them. Right. So it's a different thing. Exactly. And it's just, once again, Instagram is a poor medium for that to happen. Yeah. Like, for example, we're going to start doing um, podcast. We're going to do a once a month podcast. Uh, there's a black female foot nerd in Houston, Texas. I believe she's in Houston. Uh, and I'm going to do a podcast with her once a month. And I'm going to mostly listen, but I'm also going to use it as an opportunity to share what I'm learning about racism and racial discrimination, that whole dynamic. And that is where some nourishing shit happens because mm -hmm. her intention is to teach me and give me insight into what the life of a black woman living in the United States is like. And my intention is to give the perspective of what I previously knew as a white male living in Canada. And maybe she, and she will gain perspective from you too. And exactly. Like, oh, okay. So it's both, it's, it's both important because she will learn how to better deal with someone who is underinformed and can't see her perspective. And I will learn better about what it's like to live in her situation, her yeah. lens so that I can better bridge my understanding. And the goal is to come together. It is not yes. to become further Great, apart. More separation. And that is a lot of what happens on social media with polarizing topics. You know, I, I notice this, like anytime I do a post on mental health, anytime I do a post on fasting, these very 
heated topics create and complex topics. create instant tribalism. Yeah, where there's no conversation happening about well, like what are okay. Let's unpack this a little bit because we probably agree on way more shit than we disagree on. But all we do is focus on the disagreement and get further apart so that we don't even want to find agreement. Yeah, and it's like really that's things, not, not that's the opposite of what's needed to get through this. Y- yes, and it's brand it's it's looked at as it is the way to get it's people think they're doing it for it's the unintended quant. Maybe some people have good intentions behind all of it and they just don't realize people it. with good intentions can do shitty things. Yeah. This is a real thing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is just not under is a lack of understanding fundamentally. Yeah. It's like a, the health problem and it's awareness problem. The racism problem is an awareness problem on both sides. Yeah. You can't see each other's perspectives. We yeah. can and then, and then come together to understand how do we fix this? Because I think it's really, we love to think that there's, you know, when it comes to racial discrimination, we love to look at things and say, oh, there's some bad apples. It's like, actually, the whole tree is infected. Yeah. And if we just signal out the bad apples and shame them, we actually distract away from the conversation of how to fix the infection that's infecting the tree. Because that's how we fix it. And with true conversations in the natural world, back to that is like, I almost want to take like some of the fighting. It's like, because you're behind a screen and it's, semi-anonymous or even anonymous many times it's just like it's unnatural it's dehumanizing and the same person that i might be in an argument with on social media if i met them in a coffee shop and sat down with them we would i like and if we truly (laughs) had good intentions yeah that's an asterisk that's a big asterisk because if we truly had good intentions we would find that as our conversation went into it we would say, again, based on that energy transfer, we'd be like, oh, this person has good intentions. Oh, this is what they were looking at. And then we would come out of it at different people for the better if we actually went into that whole natural conversation. Well, the cool thing about Instagram is you can literally remove the people who don't have good intentions. Yeah. Right? Like I literally, I don't block people very much. But if I see, if randomly, if I'm browsing comments, I see someone who is basically putting out unconstructive negative energy where their goal is to simply inflict harm and make inflammatory comments, not actually to constructively contribute to the conversation. I just block them. Yeah. It's beautiful. You can, you literally just block people who are not, and it's not negative comments because some people can say you're wrong, but if it's constructive and using the tone of let's seek better understanding, good intentions, that's perfect. Yeah. Those are the most important people I would argue so that you actually don't create just an echo chamber of re- reiterating the same shit that you know, but unconstructive comments that are basically just angry and inflammatory and are literally making the shit storm of comments worse and with no constructive benefit whatsoever. You know, that's something I'm going to write in my, in, you know, philosophy of social media is just like, if you spit anger, that's completely unconstructive. You just get blocked. It's just, it's how it works. Yeah. It's my right to make sure that the community is not getting damaged by the shit you say, because you're not saying it with the intention to actually find understanding. Yeah, exactly. So I yeah. agree. So uh, virtue signaling. I didn't really know. You hear that word tossed around a lot, but I didn't really know what it was. And so mm-hmm. I started looking at definitions and, you know, if you want to define virtue signaling, a good one that I found is the act of publicly expressing opinions or sentiments to demonstrate one's good character or moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. And I think it's rampant right now. And it- I think it's rampant right now and it's, and it's been a thing for like eons, right. but it's social media has brought it to a whole new level. Of- well, I think a big disconnect that I see with that on social media is that 
you know, if you're saying, I believe in this, I'm looking out for uh, black people because they have injustices against them. I'm looking out for women because there's injustices there. Okay, that's fine. But if you're calling people out for their lack of real life action in the virtual world, you're automatically screwing things up. Yeah. Because things that I do in my real natural life of researching things, of seeking better understanding about racism and and what actually that means, I don't post everything about it. No. So the, especially not immediately. Right. And so the lack of visibility. When you don't have an actual perspective on it because you haven't actually done the research yet. Right. Because I don't expect, I don't have to tell people what I'm doing. I just do it. Yeah. Because it's right. And just because I'm not posting things about it every single day, it doesn't mean that I'm not acting. It just means I'm not telling, I don't have to tell people about everything. So virtue signaling is flawed because you're making assumptions about the natural world based on what you see in the virtual world, because maybe the virtual world is your world. Yeah. This is part of the problem. It's just a misunderstanding. And, and a lot of times, like, I don't like when it turns into a competition. So it's, it's a competition to try to gain the most like social points in many cases and it might not, but again, it's that intention. And I think you can kind of see it. And sometimes it's very obvious. You're just trying to compete to look the most virtuous and it's kind of gross. And um, yeah. And, and it's like, and it's, it's fine. It's like, you're doing that, but like, what are you doing in your neighborhood or what? Again, it's like, are you an actually good person? Are you inflicting hate on other people who are, who, who you think are not as virtuous as you or, um, yeah, I think the people that. who post the most about things like that are the people who are, I'm making an assumption, but it seems, it seems like a safe assumption to say that the more shit you're posting, the maybe the less time you're spending doing the actual work. Potentially. You Potentially. Might, you yeah. Might take a, this that's, as that's, a, an, that's a big assumption. As I a guess. good time to get it like social media like that. That's the, maybe the positive aspect of it. It's allow it allows you to get some of these, these things out and. And if you're doing it again, it comes back to that intention with really good intention and you're posting a bunch of resources and things like that, that other people can then learn from and stuff like that with good intent. um, It can be a really good thing. But it's the distinction between you trying to personally gain social points and compete with others to gain social points versus actually trying to help the cause. Um, only you truly know that, but I think it's very obvious in some, in many cases. Um, so just make sure you're on the right side of that. And then, uh, and and you can kind of go forward with that. Like the, the, the image that I get sometimes when, when I see things that people post is like, okay, there's a ladder and we're all trying to get up the ladder and virtue signaling is essentially kicking someone else to get you higher on the ladder. Yeah. Whereas we need to help each other up the ladder. Yeah. And they're like, they're like mutually exclusive right like showing off how much you're doing oh i guess it's it can be it's really has to do with the tone right like because because showing people what you're doing may may inspire them to do more yeah but if you're just shitting on someone for not doing enough that's very different yeah that's a negative form of virtue signaling versus um virtue inspiration let's call it (laughs) it's could you do better at what you're doing And, and it's truly being aware of what is your what is what is the um, what are you trying to do with this? Right. What is your goal here? Um, how are you coming across? You have to really put in some time and energy. And I think a lot of times it's just react, react, react between stimulus and response. There's a space. We don't really use that space. We're, we're, um, we're going into response too quickly. And then people are saying reaction, you need to respond. Reaction too quickly? Uh, or stimulus and like reaction or response. Right. It would be like we're not using the space between the stimulus and the response to actually think about things and like yeah. do research and come to like fairly even keeled conclusions and being like, okay, here's looks, look at the whole situation. 
little bit before we actually respond or react. Uh, and I think that's the problem too, is it's like, boom, and, and everyone's expected to react and, and everyone does react. And then it's like, you just missed out on the whole opportunity to take all <laughs> yeah. of the required information and to make a logical um, or a better informed uh, yeah, response to this. So Yeah, and I think a lot of times virtue signaling quickly you know, segues into like uh, apology hunting. You need to apologize. You need to yeah. change this post. It's like, well, I don't, but I'll try and do better. You know, yeah. or, or policing. Like the Instagram police, it's like a full-time job people have just volunteered to do and think that it's a noble thing. That's like, a weird one. Is that really the best place to put your energy? Is just policing Instagram to find shit that doesn't that you don't agree with and making it your life's mission to make those people miserable? That's a terrible purpose. I almost like some of the people you can see the people like I almost want to like I was actually going to do this um and just uh reach out to somebody who is who I saw was being quite um and to say I will, you know, do you want to chat on Zoom for half an hour? Um yeah, see, that's amazing. You know, and uh, I, I didn't, but uh, this is what I like. If that had, like, I think I should have, and just being like, and maybe they wouldn't have wanted to, right? right? But it's funny what happens when you put a face in front of you. Now you can see that. See, I think most people would decline that because they'd exactly. be scared because and, they can't yeah. actually have. Now we can't do dehumanize anymore. We we have to humanize somebody, and, right? And we we have to say, oh, they're another person, and oh, it seems like they have good intent. This is weird. This is this is <laughs> this is going against the initial rea- uh, category that I put this person in, and the and this is going against everything that I formed my initial opinions on. Right, and then it's like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't do that. So, because they're forming the your identity, their perception of your identity is formed on such a tiny little snippet. Yeah, and if they're seeking someone to get upset with, you can probably find a shitload of stuff that I've written to get upset with. But if you don't understand the context, if you don't understand the intent based on my history of posts, if you're seeing it for the first time and it hits a nerve with you, then you can get really upset. And your identity of me is going to be formed by being upset by that tiny little snippet of information that tells you something about me. Tiny little thing. And it might be 1% of you has a slightly different um, viewpoint on the world. Um, That actually, if you talked about that, so we're arguing over the 1% via text so the 99 percent, you might find that your your humanity like you have a common humanity between you you have family that you you enjoy hanging at like everything right basically you're the same thing you're the same person and you might disagree on one percent via text so can we talk about the one percent face to face and then can we come to an agreement on that one percent of things and and squash that too Mm. it's like literally you're the same thing you're you're human and so am i everyone's a human and and once we see that we go through the same struggles the same things day to day then I think people would would just tend to drop the energy a little bit, drop the emotion and be like, oh, you know, this person is just the same thing. They got, they're trying to make it through this life. Like, let's try to be humans together. Yeah, let's be more kind so that we can make each other's lives better instead of more stressful. It's crazy. So, but it's, I mean, these are, yeah. I mean, just talking about it makes me realize that it's so important to not get frustrated from Instagram land, mm-hmm. right? To not let your physical and mental health be negatively impacted by something that is so flawed and can hack our mindset so easily, right? Like I don't know what the solution and affect is. Your ability to actually be of best, your best in the actual natural world. Like how many times have you been around people who are 
with you, but not really with you because they're, you can just see they're kind of in, they're in outer space somewhere. They're probably thinking about that or they're on their phone right. specifically in front of you, but you're they're like, Oh, this person's not really with me right now. Right. And mm-hmm. I, and I appreciate when you're, and when you're really with me, I, I get more out of that. So you're, you're actually mm-hmm. starting to affect the people you're with in the natural world negatively. If you're stuck in the digital world too much. Well, especially so. if your mindset, if you just had a intense blow up argument with someone on Instagram, you can't say that your next physical reality, natural world interactions aren't going to be negatively yeah. affected. And then you walk into your family. Okay. What happens there? Right. Like, and then they mirror that. So now you've created a shitstorm in the natural world because of something that happened in Instagram world. Yeah. Because you have the inability to dissociate those two, which is very hard. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to recontextualize the interactions you have in Instagram land so that you take them with a grain of salt. Exactly. And focus more energy on the natural world. So I think the solution to this is improved understanding of healthy use of social media. Mm -hmm. So was there other things that you like that might be a good way? We're at 50 minutes. So I think the last 10, we can talk about two things, energy management and healthy use of social media and what that even means, because it's going to be very subjective. But I think there are some good heuristics or guidelines about how you can determine if you're using social media in a healthy way so that you can then recalibrate if you're straying from that. Mm-hmm. So I think we talked about attention being, you know, we like, uh, I think it's interesting that we say paying attention, you got to pay attention. So paying implying that attention is a currency mm-hmm. and it really is right. It's a very precious one. It's your most precious resource is attention is your attention that you have every day. And I think if you look at attention as energy, you need to be careful where you're spending your energy. Right. I think, you know, I like to think of, okay, I start the day with a hundred energy units. And certain things I do can give me more energy units, right? When I go for a walk in nature with no phone, I see that as a way to recharge my energy. So there is a way to replenish it. But if you're not doing that stuff, you know, the replenishment of energy happens in the natural world. Yeah. Right. Maybe it happens in the social media world, but for the bulk of it, it happens in the natural world, right? Going for a walk, doing some movement, having a nourishing conversations. These are all energy boosters, sleep, um, eating good food. And then, you got to be careful where you, sp- if you're spending the bulk of your energy units on Instagram land by browsing or by engaging in comments and arguments, you're not going to have much energy left for your actual real natural life. Cause that yeah. is where you have to survive. Right. And so that's I bi- think that's where biology exists in. Right. Like exactly. And you have to make money. So when you work, you have to have some form of that work happen in the real world. Right. Some people, I, I mean, guess you I could guess, make your, yeah, I mean, that's less than that's getting more and more blurry, but I think, you know, I personally choose to use more of my energy units on things that matter to me and you have to know what matters to you. Right. But like meaningful relationships, meaningful work, um, taking care of myself physically and mentally, those are the priorities with my energy units. So, you know, I, you know, I'm an Instagram minimalist. So 30 minutes a day, that's it. And if I'm going way overboard on that, then I, the, See, the goal is not to never go down the rabbit hole of the explore feed and to make yourself feel like shit. It's just to notice it earlier. Yeah. And to recalibrate sooner so that you can then figure out, okay, like, okay, I just spent an hour in the explore feed. What the heck led to that? Why did I need to get something to boost my dopamine? Oh, it's because I just ate shitty food or I just had a terrible interaction. So that made me feel a little bit better temporarily. It's like you have to just examine your life and i think that's the inherent flaw is most people don't do that so they can't recognize when social media is 
taking up so much of their energy that they don't have anything left for the things that matter that are important to be a healthy, happy human being. Well, it just shows you too, is that we've just been through a period of time where a lot of people were kind of like stuck indoors and things like that too. Right. Uh, and separated to from actual people in the actual world uh, for the most part. And you realize that when you have the opportunity to go and uh, hang out with friends or go to a park and play with people and, and you know, and stuff like that, like play, play games, play soccer, organize events, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's huge. And that, that allows you, um, the, the, the times I'm not looking at my, my phone are the times I'm actually in the world doing stuff with people. And those are the times that I find the most uh, beneficial to my, uh, to my state so that I have more energy than I, and then I can, that I can use how, uh, elsewhere to, to help people. But um, yeah, it's like to the extent that you're not able to have real connections, you're going to go searching for connections somewhere. And oftentimes these um, social media is there for you. So again, it's kind of hijacking the, that uh, that need for connection in some sense, and just the importance of of real world stuff has been highlighted for me, and it's right. so nice. Like everyone's just been cooped up, and it's like it's so nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, go out to like a patio this weekend for the first time, and it's like so nice. Right. It, it's and I think sometimes, unfortunately, we only gain an appreciation for the things we have when they're taken from us. Yeah. So you see this all the time. People have a catastrophic health event and then they're like, oh, shit, I got to focus on my health. And hopefully us all having this period where we haven't really been able to engage, go out for meals at restaurants, all that kind of stuff will make us appreciate those things way more. I have definitely appreciated my interactions with other people in nature way more, even though I did a good amount of that before. Like the fact that there were some artificially created obstacles because of COVID or whatever, uh, makes it so that I'm like, wow, it's nice not to have those obstacles. I need to take advantage of that more frequently. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think, you know, when someone says what's healthy, well, according to you, what do you consider to be healthy use of social media? Cause I think there's, I've got some bullet points written down that I kind of thought of, but what do you consider, uh, like what are the key points when you feel you're using social media in a healthy way? What are key points that are, um, packed into healthy use? Uh, it's almost like the, the addict view of it for, for me, where if I feel like I'm using it against my, uh, my, my will and the addict, like that, that definition of addiction, but it's when I'm, when I feel like I'm compulsively using it, I, and I can, uh, realize or recognize that that's when I know, like, and then when I keep going back to it, that's not, not good. So it's like, uh, that's where, I truly know that in this period of time, I'm uh, displaying addictive tendencies towards it. Right. Um, Which would signal unhealthy use. Signal unhealthy use. The other thing would be if I'm uh, giving more attention to it than, than the people I'm around in the natural world. Um, I don't like that. So I would rather, uh, I would rather give more energy to the people who I'm around, especially mm-hmm. family, friends, et cetera. Um, so when you, when you realize you're doing that, that's not good for me, uh, for everyone, it's different. Um, you can just look at this, the time, the just sheer time you're spending on it. So that would be another thing. Um, but when I feel kind of agitated, um, and I realize that it's linked to being on there a lot, then, so in my general state will kind of guide me. Yes. That's um, a powerful one. So like if I'm at generally what I've recognized is that I'm more at peace when I'm using it less. And you've, so you've run kind of these experiments over time. It's like generally that happens. So generally I know um, that I can kind of like see that and be like, oh yeah, that's, this is kind of what's happening. So, um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's as a medium uh, to uh, get ideas out and get all of that and share things and help people. It's a great resource so I can use it 
am I using it for uh, I personally value about it or am I using it for other things like to distract me and all the things I talked about. So, so someone said, what's your personal philosophy of using Instagram? What would you say concisely? What's your personal philosophy? Um, I'd have to say, yeah, like, uh, I, I like it as a, as a medium to, uh, share ideas, um, and, and, uh, share things that I am currently learning. And, uh, uh and again, kind of, you know, there is a connection piece. So it's, it's nice to connect with people in around the world or in, or in your city or whatever, um, who are also maybe have similar interests and stuff like that. Um, it's also a good, like we didn't get into the whole sense-making thing. It, it is good in that we can see different perspectives mm-hmm. because um, I think a lot of us have realized that the mainstream media is probably not the only place you should be getting your information from. <laughs> um, now that whole, that whole thing is, so I, I do appreciate. But you have to be good at vetting yeah, information on social media because like, there's so much of it. We can do a podcast on that maybe is like the sense-making of the, but of like the, of the world and how to sense make maybe and, um, you know, how to get better at it. But yeah, for me, it's like use Skills it mainly to share, uh, and maybe, and, and also, um, the people you follow, um, to, to learn, to share and to learn, uh, and again, to connect. So, cool. uh, yeah, that would be mine. That's a good philosophy. Yeah. I think paying attention to the net effect of your emotions, like is, okay. I, I spend one hour on uh, social media per day. Is that our mostly positive emotions or mostly negative emotions? Yeah. Right. The net, what is the net emotional state that this world creates for me? Because if your net is negative emotions where you're angry, frustrated, um, way more or sad or anxious, way more than you are happy and joyful, then maybe you're not using it in a healthy way. And I think it comes back to like create an intention for what you want to use social media for, right? I want to use it as a learning platform. Well, that's a beautiful intention because you can curate people who inspire and share useful information so that the only things you see are things that align with that intention. Like you literally are allowed to curate what you see on Instagram, right? If you ignore that little explore feed button, the people you follow is, you know, you become the people who you're around and now you can be around a lot of people in Instagram land. So make sure that the right kind of people who facilitate you becoming the person who you want to become instead of making you someone that you don't like being right. And I like, you know, my personal philosophy is a unidirectional sharing tool, right? I share what I'm learning. If you don't like it, great. Don't follow it. If you do, I hope it's inspiring you and helping you on your learning journey, but you know, rarely engaging in comments, using it as a minimalist where I use it just enough to hopefully help people and facilitate the ability to connect in a more rich medium, right? Like most people that reach out to me to do podcasts, they reach out on Instagram. Hey, do you want to do a podcast? Yep. Perfect. Here's the time. So that's a good way to use the text medium to facilitate a more rich interaction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good use of it, but you know, blocking unconstructive negativity. um, And, you know, I think this whole mindset of just don't get mad, offer to help, right? Like, the analogy that I think of sometimes is like if someone has really stinky armpits, you don't just like stew and chirp them for having stinky armpits. Say, hey, there's a thing called deodorant. Like if you, like you do it respectfully, but respectfully help them better understand what they probably don't know, right? And like the amount of times that in the past, you know, people behind you are being on an airplane, for example, are being obnoxious and talking loud or hitting your chair. The amount of times I just, you know, would sit there and be pissed and be like, this person is an asshole, without ever even saying anything about it is crazy because then I'm the asshole because I'm stewing and, enra- and getting enraged at this person, but not even letting them know what they're doing wrong. 
And a lot of times now I'm just respectfully say, Hey, could you, you know, could you tone, could you quiet down in your conversation a bit? Or could you stop kicking my chair? And they're like, Oh yeah, sorry. I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. And it instantly gets resolved. And if we take the same approach with social media, where it's like, don't get mad and angry, offer to help. I think that's going to be create a way better space in the world of social media. So, you know, hopefully that, and you know, our intention with TFC app is to create a healthy, is to understand behavior and understand what social media does for our bodies and through TFC app and through Beam Tribe, create a social media platform that is truly dedicated to health where there's no, um, it doesn't facilitate distraction. It makes it hard to be distracted. It puts curated information so that the only stuff you can see is stuff that's good for you. And it's not, the game theory is not such that we want you to be distracted. It's that we want you to consume useful information. So it'll be interesting because the more I think we understand about social media, the better we can understand how to build a better social media platform geared towards health. So um, anyway, we hope that episode helped you uh, hopefully get a better awareness of just if you're self-aware of what social media is doing to you and how you're using it, you can better make it a healthy thing to use, uh, which includes, you know, examining how much time you're spending in that world mm-hmm. and how it's affecting your natural world interactions. But, um, you know, look at, we'll probably end up doing another one of these before the end of the year. I think doing these like twice a year is probably a good frequency because we're still learning. The world is still grow. Let's call it growing. It's <laughs> maybe a good way to say it um, in terms of how, social media is finding a groove and dealing with current events. Um, So anyway, we hope you enjoyed that episode. We'll catch you next week.